On another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, our four favorite shelled reptiles rise from the sewers in their glorious return to animated form as they belong onto the big screen. We're going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, right after these ads we have no control over. Cowabunga. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoon seriously, but not too seriously. We're your hosts, I'm Zuhara Lee. And I'm J. Scotty St. Clair. And Cowabunga is right. Our favorite turtles are back on the big screen. We've been anticipating this for a long time, especially with the hype of the Across the Spider-Man and how well that's been doing, similar animation style. we got Seth Rogen at the helm. You gave your initial thoughts on another podcast so please be sure to check that out from last week how you yeah. feeling overall <laughs> yeah so i've had a little over a week to sit with the movie now and i think you know i maintain some of the points that i brought up on the podcast so not to be too uh cagey for those of you that may have not have listened to that but i really liked the movie i thought it was a solid entry i was uh thoroughly entertained i thought the animation style worked really well it obviously took inspiration from Spider-Verse, but mm. did enough to become its own thing. Thought yeah. it had a stellar soundtrack, uh, really good voice cast. Some of them might have been a little bit underutilized. And yeah, just overall, it was a nice reboot for the franchise. I do have some issues with it. I think might be a little bit forgettable, but uh, in the like I said, in the great scheme of things, definitely the best Turtle movie, Turtles movie we've gotten in a while because those mm-hmm. Michael Bay movies were not it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Not very memorable. <laughs> yeah. How Honestly, about you? How I think you the feeling? only I think the only reason I watched the second one was because I was really into the Arrowverse and I love Stephen Amell. So when sure. he was Casey Jones, the second one I was like, I'm watching it for him and everything yeah. else is just here. <laughs> but no, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I had I had reasonable expectations for it. And I think I text you after that I like really loved it at the first half, and then it was a pretty good movie on the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall great animation. I have my quirks with it here and there, but I'm I'm sure. very happy with how they did this, and I'm excited that it's going to be carrying on into future movies with this style and these producers as well. Yeah, because uh, Paramount already confirmed that we're getting a sequel that's somewhat in development with all the strikes going on right now. Mm-hmm. It is animation, so I know the Animation Guild is usually separate, but I think it, when it comes to big productions like this, uh, they are part of the Writers, Writers Guild as well as the voice actors, I'm sure they're they're part of SAG-AFTRA. Uh, but yeah, to know that we're getting more down the line, I think does help me sit with some of the misgivings I have about maybe, um, again, it is an, an origin story. It's kind of a, a fresh take, a reinterpretation of these characters. But I did find myself missing some like hallmarks of, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that kind of like, I don't know, I would have liked to see them. But if I'm going to get them down the line, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. The, this was definitely a good um, building point. And for me, it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of those things like I kind of watched when it was on, when mm-hmm. I was waiting for something else on Cartoon Network to come on. Okay. Because Cartoon Network was kind of like my go-to, and I would like go to Nickelodeon from time to time. Um, so I didn't have too much familiarity with like other characters and villains and stuff like that. 
So mm-hmm. pretty much anything that I take is just going to be like initial impression for me outside of like uh, Bebop and Rocksteady and Shredder, which are like the only kind of people I knew. Well, they are kind of the main ones. And uh, yeah, as far as I go, like I, you know, I was a product of the 90s. So that late 80s, early 90s cartoon series, it was like my bread and butter in the early days. Like I was watching that right alongside the Power Rangers. So I, I had, you know, a couple of the episodes on VHS that got a lot, a lot of play. And uh, one of the things I, I've told you off air, and uh, for anyone that's listened to any of the coverage we've done on Bad Batch, you know that I have a type when it comes to my characters. And I do like the like the techie badasses. So Donatello's always been my favorite, always resonated with him. And that is one thing when you text me after getting out of the theaters, we, the theater, we were kind of going back and forth. And I said, I, I do think that probably my favorite thing about the movie is just how this more so than some other entries, I think really allows Donatello in particular to shine. And I think he's one of the most well-developed and I really like the, the voice actor they got for him. He sounded really unique and he like, <laughs> and they all sound unique, but he definitely kind of like stood out as one of like, this kid's got something like he's really doing something yeah. with his performance. So yeah, I was pretty thoroughly pleased with the, the representation for Donatello. Yeah. It's like, he got like the high cracky voice and everything, but he's still got like some swagger to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. kind of like what our text conversation was. Um, so for me, growing up, I liked Leo because sure. I was just really into swords and the honorable warrior and stuff like that. But I think like as I grew up, I liked Donatello more because I like the people who are really resourceful, but can mm-hmm. still be a badass at the same time. Yeah. So the fact that he's able to have such a high arsenal of knowledge and tech and all that stuff and still be able to pick up a staff and fight just as well as everybody else i think that's Mm -hmm. where like my love of donatello started to come from and i don't feel like he was appreciated enough in earlier content because a lot of the time it was mikey being comedic relief and then ralph and leo kind of like fighting for that leadership position because they were both like you know strong-headed and strong-willed in their own way so donnie was just kind of like the tech guy in the back. So I feel like this was kind of like a love letter to him. It's like, everybody knows how these three are. We're going to give sure. him the love that he hasn't gotten all these years. I think that's a fair assessment and I'm, I'm down with it, but uh, I don't know for my purposes. I feel like we've danced yeah. around spoilers as much as possible. I want to get into the nitty gritty of all the other turtles and, and mutants that pop up, but we can't do that without a spoiler warning. If for some reason you're listening to this podcast and have not watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you care about spoilers, this is your time to check out, but do check back in later once you've seen the movie. Yeah, check back in and uh, stay hydrated while you're doing it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Best way well, to do that in these blazing heats, liquid IV. Mm-hmm. With uh, one stick with a liquid IV and 16 ounces of water, will hydrate you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. The result of an extensive R&D process to perfect the flavor and efficiency Liquid IV combines science-backed zero-sugar technology with the brand's commitment to delicious, real flavor. I am going to say these words this time. No (laughs) artificial sweeteners and zero sugar with the proprietary amino acid allulose blend for a sweet taste without the calories or raised blood glucose. Damn. Raised blood (laughs) glucose levels you get from sugar. That is a tongue twister more than it is big words. Raise blood glucose levels you get from sugar. (laughs) (laughs) We actually had a listener who 
heard the first time that we announced that they said that they have zero sugar awesome zero sugar options and commented on the facebook right away oh my god i've been waiting for this so if you guys have been excited for that here it is they got Mm -hmm. three different flavors that come with the sugar-free options contains eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness with three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks yeah and they're non-gmo and free from gluten dairy and soy liquid i liquid iv believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world They partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 50 countries around the world. And uh, it's not a spoiler to say, like, this was in the trailer, but Superfly, when he first meets the turtles, he misidentifies them as tortoises. He says something to the effect like, oh, you're all some little tortoises, huh? Uh, (laughs) They're not tortoises. Tortoises are land-based. Turtles are amphibious, so they need water. So much like the turtles that need water, you need water. So stay (laughs) hydrated and use Liquid IV to help you do that. And you can get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free or any other variant at liquidiv.com and use the code STAYWELM12 at checkout. That's S-T-A-Y-W-H-E-L-M-E-D at checkout. 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using the program. The promo code stay whelmed at liquidiv.com. If you guys have tried the sugar free version and have a favorite flavor, let me know because I am getting close to the end of my seaberry packet and I'm going to be ordering again soon. So let me know which flavors I should be trying out. He wants to be a sea turtle with a seaberry. I was about to make a turtle sound, but I don't know what turtle sound likes. It's just <laughs> pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Uh, we did get some feedback for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. But before that, shall we read the synopsis in case anybody is in a similar se- situation to where I am or maybe they haven't seen the movie in a week or a couple of weeks? Yeah. I've been to four movies in the last two weekends. So definitely a lot of scrambling going on. Uh, I'm right there with you. I have been using my A-list. I saw a total tangent here, but I saw Randall Park, who many of us may know as Jimmy Woo from the MCU. He had his directorial debut with a movie called Shortcomings, uh, which was actually, I didn't know until afterwards. I did some research. It was based on a graphic novel, but it was all, it was like half the movie was shot in Berkeley and it was crazy. Like watch, cause I'm here in Berkeley, Berkeley, California, watching the movie in a theater in Berkeley, like recognizing like, sights and sounds that are like right outside the theater. It was, it was pretty wild and it was a good movie. I, I really enjoyed the movie. So good on uh, Randall park. Look forward to seeing more from him. That's so cool. Yeah. I finally saw, um, princess Mononoke last night. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. It was, it was great. There were yeah. some people who definitely like overhyped it, but it did hit a pretty high bar. Interesting. Interesting. Well, like maybe there were we'll some to... like super fans that just like would not shut up about it. So I was like, <laughs> I need to see for myself. And like, it was a really good movie. Not as good as you hyped them to be, but still a really good movie. Well, you know, Studio Ghibli has that kind of like fervent fandom and Princess Mononoke, for most people, it's in there. It's at the top of their list, if not in their top mm-hmm. three. And I think I'm included in that. I My list kind of shuffles around, but it's definitely in my top three. It's, it's solid and probably the most action packed. I was looking the... at the board and my favorite is hitting theaters next, which is The Wind Rises. 
It's actually the only one I haven't seen, so I'm excited to to see that one myself. Check that in theaters. <laughs> also, people, if you guys are on Letterboxd, let us know. Because mm. me and Scoots are on it, and I hopped on it today to like add Princess Mononoke, and you were on my feed because you saw it too. So I was like, oh, cool, I don't have to look it up anymore. I just click that. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to go back and actually type in like a few words and thoughts. But right now, I'm just doing the, <laughs> the star thing and whether or not I liked it. Yeah, I'm just letting I've got a lot of catching up. See. Yeah, for sure. All right, before I get All right, let us delay no longer. All right. In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Techno Cosmic Research Institute, TCRI for short, executive Cynthia Ultram. Not to be confused with Ultron. Sends a squadron a to hunt down rogue scientist Baxter Stockman, who has created a mutagen to form his own mutant animal family, starting with a housefly. Stockman is interrupted by Ultron's strike force and killed in the resulting explosion, while the mutagen falls into the sewers of New York City. Fifteen years later, the Turtle brothers Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael, and Donatello have been raised by their adoptive rat father, Splinter, after the five of them were transformed into humanoid Mutants by Ooze, Stockman's mutagen. Being chased away by humans led Splinter to distrust humanity and train his sons in the art of ninjutsu, instructing them only to leave their sewer homes to steal supplies. Now teenagers, the turtles long to live as normal high schoolers, much to Splinter's dismay. During a supply run, the turtles defeat a gang of criminals to recover a stolen moped belonging to a teenager named april o'neill revealing themselves and their origins april an aspiring journalist struggling to move past an embarrassing viral incident of vomiting on camera has been investigating a series of robberies of tcr tcri technology by a criminal known as superfly the turtles plan to to stop superfly and through april's reporting with public acceptance as heroes they intercept a piece of stolen technology and meet Superfly under the Brooklyn Bridge, discovering that he is not only a mutant himself, but leader of a mutant gang. <sighs> Ecstatic <laughs> to meet fellow mutants, the turtles bond with Superfly and others as he explains that they were created by Stockman, evading TCRI, and living on an abandoned ship in Staten Island. Like the turtles, they were attacked by society, and an inventor embittered superfly has stolen tcri technology to weaponize ooze to mutate all wildlife on the planet into the new dominant species and enslave humanity the turtles try to intervene but the gang escapes with the equipment while a tracker allows tcri to capture the turtles at tcri headquarters the turtles are painfully milked for their mutagen but april <laughs> arrives with splinter to rescue them it <laughs> 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 was great <laughs> at the gang's hideout splinter and the turtles convince them that their plan for domination will make them no better than the worst of humanity and together they turn on superfly destroying his machines however the ooze combines superfly with other nearby wildlife into a gigantic whale-like kaiju he attacks the city and the turtles and other mutants attempt to stop him, but are assumed by the public to fellow monsters. April overcomes her anxiety and commandeers a news broadcast to explain the mutants' good intentions and the citizens of New York come to their aid. Leonardo finds his voice as a leader, utilizing Michelangelo's gift for improvisation, Donatello's intelligence, and Raphael's rage to drop a canister of TCRI retro-mutagen into Superfly's blowhole, turning him back into a collection of normal animals. Reconciling with Splinter, the Turtles, April, and the mutants are celebrated by the city. The mutants soon move into the sewers with them. 
Splinter and Scumbag fall in love, and the Turtles enroll at April's high school, where they are all embraced as heroes. In a mid credit scene, the Turtles enjoy high school life. While the Turtles and April enjoy themselves at prom, they are under surveillance from Ultram, holding the now unmutated Superfly captive, who plans to recapture the Turtles by enlisting the aid of the mysterious Shredder. 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 <laughs> One thing I really need to get out of the way, I love the call-outs to anime in this movie and okay. how much Attack on Titan was influencing the actions yeah. of these scenes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Yeah, the fact that Donatello was like an anime buff and came up with like, yeah, they mentioned it in the synopsis, but you have this moment where all the turtles get to like embody what they're known for, like whether it's Leonardo's, you know, bravery and, and leadership or Donatello, his intelligence and his resourcefulness. And yeah, recognizing that the blowhole is basically that weak spot on the back mm-hmm. of a Titan was, was pretty excellent. It's like, we got to hit him on the nape of the neck. It's like, Oh, that's where the blowhole is. <laughs> and then when Genghis frog, like picked them up and was like flipping their tongue around the place, I was like, Oh my God, that's the ODM gear. <laughs> nice. There you go. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And even like yeah. on the bulletin board, when it's like sign up for anime club, it was like Deku's like all my impression face. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know the director, Jeff Rowe, his previous outing was uh, Mitchell's versus the Machine. Have you seen that one yet? I know we... Yeah, I'm slacking on that. Okay. Uh, I checked it out at the recommendation of many of our listeners, and Mm -hmm. it's really, really good. And very much like this movie has a lot of like references and meta commentary and comedy. Um, And I know he also worked on Gravity Falls... Uh, and I feel like there was one other one that he was known for that's like escaping me right now. But uh, obviously, he, he's a very good person to have on any animated project because he has, I feel like he just has this appreciation and an understanding of what animation fans are going to, you know, relish having referenced in their movies. Yeah, keep it up. I loved every second of it. Yeah. And uh, I noticed when we were going down the synopsis, you got particularly tickled when the the milking scene was mentioned. And that was hilarious. <laughs> Just the, the the fact that it was such a running thing. I was like, he's gonna milk you, but like he's making it sound like folklore, right. like he's making it up to like make the kids go to bed at night type of thing. And the fact sure. that it actually happened and the absolute terror. Like we're getting milked. They're milking us. And they came up. I was like, I told you you were gonna get milked. <laughs> <laughs> like that must have been so satisfying for splinter but just i, I love when they plant seeds like that or it's just mm. like a running joke on and on and on until like it finally happens it's just it's so beautifully done <laughs> yeah yeah that was one of the moments where the comedy really shined and i also think where the comedy really shines is when it allows and it's one of the best parts of the movie as well the fact that they did choose to like really embrace the fact that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are teenagers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I feel like we've seen them as older teenagers, like 17, 18, maybe. Like they feel like they're 14, 15, maybe yeah. 16 for the oldest of them. And uh, yeah, with that in mind, it's the moments where they really just get to like be themselves and be brothers and like have their goofy quirks. So there was uh, the scene where they were talking with April and they started talking about like a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich. And then they just like go through this like two minute thing where they're all just saying like bacon, egg and cheese. I'll take a bacon, (laughs) egg and cheese, please. (laughs) And April says something like, maybe it's better if the world doesn't see as much of you. Like I'm probably going to have to cut (laughs) some of this stuff. (laughs) And then they just immediately bacon, egg and cheese. Let me get bacon, egg and cheese. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, all all the stuff of just like kids being kids was so wholesome and so well done. Yeah. yeah. Like when they're all sitting on their bunk beds with their phones, like first off, who's paying for their cell plan? <laughs> for sure. And I love little things of like them just wanting to go to the movies and get snacks and I'm telling on dad and just, just I just love every bit of it. The energy and the vibe of it was just so adorable. Yeah, and when they went to go see the movie, it was Ferris Bueller and it was actual like they just took the film and, and put it into the movie. So it's like <laughs> you've got everything else being so stylized and animated and it's just regular Live Ferris action. Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be funny yeah. if they animated that. Yeah. I'd watch at least a little bit of it to see <laughs> see if I liked it. <laughs> With that being said, it kind of reminds me like so talking about the animation style, it has a very like hand-drawn approach to it, like a bunch of extra like swiggles on the outlines mm-hmm. and there's no real like how do I want to put this? Like in terms of the way things are like skewed and distorted with their perspective, like there are rules to the world when it comes to like the architecture and the the buildings. But when it comes to like the human characters, especially outside of April, I feel like they're all kind of depicted in this gross way to where they're almost more gross than the turtles themselves. Like I know one Mm -hmm. of like the newscaster ladies, like she had a weird thing going on with her like cheekbone on one side and then the other side of her face was like completely flat. So it's very stylized, very exaggerated. But yeah, and then the mutants themselves, like we can kind of get into like the ones that stood out versus the ones that fell into the background. But Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. Like he's kind of the same thing. One of his eyes is big. The other one's tiny. And he's just took just such a goofy character. Yeah. The, at first I thought they were just doing it for like villains and criminals because there was one whose like eyeball was like up in his forehead and the other was like way down. I was just kind of like, oh, this lack of symmetry is killing me. Oh, sure. It's not even, it's not even symmetry. It's just to the extent that it was. Uh-huh. So I think between that and some of the action scenes, like the it didn't feel that smooth. And sometimes like I got a little dizzy trying to like track what was going on. Hmm. I think those were my only downsides to this animation style. Okay. Especially because this is something that we're comparing a lot to Spider-Verse. And I felt like with their motions and fluidity, it was, well, it was just fluid. Um, so I feel like this was lacking a little bit in comparison. Mm. And that threw me out of it a little bit because I really was like sitting there like I there's just colors and swiggles right now. I have no idea what's going on. Interesting. I didn't really pick up on that, but I do the the part of what you said that I do kind of gravitate towards is and and I don't really think I had like contemplated enough. I chalked it up to more of like a story based reason. But yeah, outside of like the sequence when they're fighting Superfly is like the giant kaiju and they all have to kind of coordinate and come together to make that happen. Outside of that, I didn't find much of the action like super memorable. And maybe the points that you're bringing up are a good reason why. But I mm-hmm. also like within the story, it's like, so yes, I do like the fact that they're embracing like the younger teenage side of things, but like they really kind of messed with the origin. And I, I understand it's a reboot and a reinterpretation. I'm open to new perspectives and whatnot, but kind of having always in the past splinter was like a martial artist or he was like raised by a martial artist. So like he was always martial arts was always part of his life. And he instilled that in his, and his sons from a young age. And this one, it's kind of like, they just kind of like more so happen upon it. 
Mm-hmm. It's like born out of necessity to protect themselves. So they just like absorb everything from watching Kung Fu movies and YouTube and stuff like that. So in that sense, their skills kind of seem unrefined. And I don't mind watching, you know, a story where their skills become more refined over time. It definitely emphasized the teenage aspect and not so much the ninja aspect. Yeah. And the mutant aspect was obviously because it's called Mutant Mayhem. So Yeah. Yeah, on to that point, one of the lines that I thought was really important in this is when they got into their first fight. Okay. And I think it was Donatello who just like screamed out of fear at one point where it's like, well, we've been training, but we've never actually had to use our skills before. Like, right. I don't know if the confidence is there in that regard. Mm-hmm. And it brings me back to like what somebody from our martial arts school said. He's like, I'm a black belt in two different arts and really highly ranked in the third. But when I did my first MMA fight, I was a white belt again. Because, yes, I have this technique and foundation and fundamentals and stuff like that. But the technique of actually causing harm to another person in the setting was a whole new experience. So I like that okay. they, like, address that in a way, too, where it's like, sure, yeah. we've been training all our lives, but we've never actually had to fight bad guys. Yeah, the whole vigilante right. thing didn't even start until this movie. So sure. while I didn't. I wasn't sure what their origins were. I didn't realize that this was something much different than that. I do appreciate it. Like from that aspect that splinter gave them this out of necessity to protect themselves. And they always had the confidence to be sneaky and protect themselves, but never actually had to go out and look for fight. And they were actually scared when they were confronting somebody for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's a legitimate explanation, and I and I buy that. And yeah, it was definitely uh, a part of the story, even if they didn't necessarily like hang a lantern on it. Uh, yeah, I do recall that line of dialogue from uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Donatello. So which that actually yeah. led up to my favorite fight scene in the movie. Oh, okay. Because that was kind of like the hallway look, like everything was just going from left to right. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, fighting guys and taking turns and going down. You see the big smiles coming off their faces because they have the confidence now. They're like, oh, we can do this. Right, and I think right. that's why I enjoyed it, because it was just going in one line. It was a lot easier to track. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. when they started like trying to pan the camera all over the place. And I was like, ah. <laughs> OK, OK. Well, I know we we do have some feedback, uh, but before we get to that per se, I kind of wanted to talk about the turtles individually a little bit. Like I feel like we've talked uh, at length about Donatello, but I, I, you know, I said this on my initial kind of reaction last week, but as I've had more time to sit with it and spend with it, I I do kind of stick to the point that um, I think this is a great, voice cast great young voice cast it's nice to have these characters actually voiced by teenagers but nothing against the performer's performance per se but i do just feel like michelangelo was miscast like even if even if we're seeing a young michelangelo and he's you know not yet the party dude that he is to become they they make all these illusions that he's like the funny one or he's like good at improvisation, like he's the, supposed to be the heart of the team. And I I just feel like the voice is too calm and too subdued. Like it just did not at any point 
ever feel like Michelangelo to me. And I can't say that about any of the other turtles. I thought all of the other turtles, while we were seeing, you know, the beginnings of, of their personalities, which may develop and become stronger over time, at least there was still something there for me to like, you know, recognize and glom onto. And I, I hate to say I didn't feel that with Michelangelo. So you feel that it was a performance thing because I thought it was a direction thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I it's probably more of a direction thing because something went wrong with Mikey. Well, it's yeah, it's just like I think I'm trying to think about some of his lines that's that stood out to me, and it's like you know you have the line in the trailer where Splinter catches them as they come back from like watching the movie, and they were supposed to be getting supplies, but they were gone for a long time, and then Leo says, "Oh." the guys wanted to get pizza. I'm sorry. And then Michelangelo's like, you ratted us out. And, Mm -hmm. and then Splinter gets onto him and he says, sorry, dad. And it's just, he's not animated or anything. Like he's very, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of restraint. He's very subdued. He's like, I I said it in my initial reaction, but he feels like the calmest of all the turtles. And that's not Michelangelo. Yeah. I think they, they threw a little more of that rowdiness into Ralph. Well, I mean, Ralph is supposed to be rowdy, but Michelangelo is like right there alongside him. Yeah, like they're they're the knuckleheads. Yeah, of the I group. agree that they were lacking. And one thing that really stood out to me that I wasn't happy with is they only used Cowabunga once in the movie, and it was slow mode. <laughs> like he finally has a moment that's on him. It's It took me a second to be like, "What is he saying?" <laughs> So, That's yeah, fair. while I feel like Donatello was intentionally getting more attention, Mikey definitely was just kind of like, <laughs> no pun intended, a fly on the wall. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, and so- I don't mean to be overly negative. Like I said, uh, I, I really don't fault the performer. I do think it was just an instance of like maybe the maybe Shaman Brown Jr. Maybe he could have gotten there um, with better direction. But I just kind of keep going back to like, if I was the casting director, I think I just would have cast somebody with, you know, I, I wouldn't reverse roles or anything like that, but I almost feel like the, the energy that Micah Abbey brought to Donna Donatello was more of what I was like expecting from Michelangelo, like more upbeat, mm-hmm. like more energetic, more like less restraint. Like that's, yeah, that's Michelangelo. Michelangelo is the one to put his foot in his mouth. He's the one to make mistakes. <laughs> he's, he's the one that the rest of the brothers kind of have to look after. And, Again, I'm open to new interpretations, but I I just really felt like Michelangelo was the furthest removed from who he was supposed to be. But I don't want this to turn into like, you know, a loop of me just like bagging on Michelangelo. So No, that's 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 all fair remarks. I'm with you on that. Okay, so hopefully they just take notes and, you know, find a way to do better with them the next one. Yeah, maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm on an island when it comes to that, because I know I, I did read Andre Sparks feedback and he kind of pushed back at some of the things I, I brought up. But with your familiarity of this universe and the villains and this and that, were you thrown off? Like, I know it was in the trailer and in the title. How did you feel about all these mutants making their appearance in the very first movie? That's a good question. I really liked getting to see some of them. But I, I do think it was an instance where less could have been more. Like we had mm-hmm. so many. Like I feel like some were like Post Malone's character, Ray Filet, like all he was like he got like three or four lines and everyone he's just singing like, OK, it's good for a gag. It's good for a joke. But 
there were some characters that were a little more obscure and like side characters that I wasn't as exposed to. And uh, Ray Filet was actually one of those. I actually was not familiar with Mondo Gecko, Paul Rudd's character, but I did do some research to find out what his origins were and how long he's been a part of the franchise. But uh, the Bat Wingnut was one that I was definitely familiar with. Uh, of course, Bebop and Rocksteady. And again, like it's one of those situations, it was nice to see all these characters, but like Bebop and Rocksteady, especially like their characters were there. They were who they are. But how many lines did each of them get? Like John, you've got John Cena and Seth Rogen, and I can't remember a single line that either one of them had. And again, like I'm, I hate to like, delve into the side of negativity so much but this is where like i feel like i sang the praises of the movie so much at the at the front and i did say i have issues and and these are where some of the issues are kind of coming to a head <laughs> so i have a reason that i asked but because you brought up seth rogan yeah. i do have to say that i was laughing whenever he did speak because he was a warthog and he was pumba on oh, the sure. live action quote-unquote live action lion king so whenever right. he spoke i was just like what is it with you with warthogs right now <laughs> <laughs> okay you were just like yeah i'm already warmed up to this one give me that role that's the one that i'll take yeah. for this yeah but I the reason not, that i ask is <laughs> i was gonna do a seth rogan i will not be doing anything different to my voice <laughs> i was born to play pigs <laughs> so the reason that i ask is because like for someone who's not as familiar with everybody Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird that, like, if this is something that they... I, I don't feel like they're going to stop it, too, right? Like, this is something that seems like they're going to have multiple movies for. Sure. So, it was interesting to me that it's, like, with Rocksteady and Bebop being, like, two villain faces mm-hmm. for them and all these other mutants to be friends with the Turtles now and living with them in the sewers. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes you wonder how much of a threat is Shredder actually going to be when you have, like, 15 mutants living together as opposed to just the turtles, right? Because there's no way they're going to sure. be like, hey, thanks for saving us and reforming us and giving us a home to live, but we're not going to fight with you when this, you know, murderous ninja comes up. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So to that end, they kind of like, they did skew some of the origins of some of these characters and like yeah bebop and rocksteady they're long-standing foes of the turtles so now having them be allies like this early on in the franchise is just going to change the dynamic and maybe they'll have a falling out uh somewhere down the line but you bring up shredder and i absolutely agree like i i wonder what this version of shredder is going to look like is it going to be a completely different take given the world that we're set in now the fact that this tcri company and maya rudolph's character cynthia is the one that's like calling him in, like kind of makes him seem like more like a bounty hunter, mm. which is is not really his his shtick in the animated series. He's got the Foot Clan. I'm wondering, are we even going to see the Foot Clan? Because that was, you know, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they have a part of their origin was is that it was kind of a, they were the creators, Kevin Laird and Peter Eastman were very much uh, inspired by Frank Miller and his like the Dark Knight Rises and his Daredevil Mm-hmm. especially so daredevil had the foot clan or the, uh, excuse me the hand, the hand. yeah yeah I, yeah so the foot clan was born right out of that so yeah and allegedly the same ooze that made daredevil blind Ex- was the one that went down the drain right after exactly exactly so yeah i just yeah i'm uh like i said i'm excited for the future and getting the name drop with shredder and kind of seeing the over the shoulder a la thanos and avengers mm-hmm 
but yeah, with this whole new world we've got and the fact that the the turtles are going to school as well now too, like that was never a part of the animated series. Yeah. Like they never commingled with like the real world and had socialized like that. Like April was always there one connection to the liaison yeah liaison yeah exactly so yeah that's that's all i was curious about your thoughts on that like overall it was a really fun movie great anime yeah, great yeah, story yeah. this and that um yeah. but like i said like i thought the first part was like incredible and the emotions that they were building up to and then it just like i try not to think about things like that Sure. It like during the movie, but it has been yeah. something. I was like, man, this this movie really gave me a lot of questions, and they're not necessarily bad questions. It's just more of like, I'm just I'm overthinking the direction, and yeah, you mean I get answers to it for like a year. It's not like, oh my god, like they set this and this up. Like, how is this going to happen? It's just gonna right, like, right. Wait, this, this actually isn't making sense to me right now. Well, and yeah, I also think it's worth like bringing up the point. Like we say on this podcast all the time, animation is not just for kids, but sometimes mm-hmm. animation is for kids like it's marketed yeah. directly for kids and i i do think this is a kids movie much like the, the super mario brothers movie and i'm i'm willing to accept that like i might not have been the target audience for this movie like i think they were targeting a younger audience and i think like had i been a father with like you know kids in the age range to watch this movie i probably I enjoyed the movie, but I probably my enjoyment probably would have been enhanced if it was like, oh, I love the turtles when I was growing up. Now I get to pass this down to my kids. I think that's what the movie is for, and uh, like hopefully that's the reason that it's resonating with people. And I don't have the box office numbers right in front of me, but it 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 had a, a pretty decent outing, especially with the competition it was going up against. I think uh, the only newcomer that outgrossed it, other than you know, the mainstays Barbie and Oppenheimer was the Meg too. So opening at fourth when the, the competition at the box office is, is this heated, which is crazy for August, bodes pretty well for the movie. The animated project grossed around 51 million from movie theaters across the planet, giving a solid advantage as the summer movie season approaches its conclusion. 43 million out of that came from the U.S. and Canada alone. Yeah, so not bad. Yeah. And if it's anything like Elemental, Elemental had kind of a weak start for a Pixar movie, but it's just been that little movie that could. Like, it's just been quietly in the background, continuing to make more and more money. So um, not the disappointment that people initially thought it was. And I, I think nobody's saying that about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at this point, but I think it could probably benefit from a a similar um, scenario in, in viewing behavior. So if this is for a smaller audience, I'm wondering how many kids are going to want to watch Attack on Titan right after. <laughs> and a whole new generation is born. <laughs> uh, did you have more that you want to get into specifically before we move on to feedback or where are you at right now? I think I'm good. Okay. Let's talk about Mr. Andre Sparks feedback. Do you want to tackle that? Yeah. So, Andre says, hey guys, so for the new TMNT movie, my son and I loved it. There we go. Mm-hmm. All the turtles in April are so young and aren't experienced like we are used to. I think that makes sense for what they are trying to do. Michelangelo was funny, but not the party dude yet. That makes sense because he hasn't been to any parties. Leonardo is the leader, but he hasn't really experienced, which really means yet. So, I loved how at the end he really started that leadership role. 
I liked how he was the one in love with April. That was different. Usually it's Mike or Donnie. Mm. Donatello was smart, but not the super smart one we know he will be in the future. I did like how he was the driver, though. <laughs> Raphael was more excited about fighting. He's not the angry, moody one yet. He really didn't have a lot to be mad about besides the not being on the surface. April being in high school and scared of the camera was great. Throwing up had me rolling. <laughs> but again, by the end, she was approaching her news reporter in Anchor Roots. So mm. I think in time they will get there. There is room to grow in this movie series. As for Harley Quinn, this show is crazy as ever. The whole Bat Family arc is going deeper than I thought it would, but it's still Harley focused. Keep up the good work, guys. It's really interesting to think that the next movie is just going to be like a puberty one. <laughs> yeah, mutant puberty. Donnie's going to be stuck on his phone. Uh, Raphael's okay. going to be having like outbursts of like, Dad, what do you mean I can't go out? <laughs> Mikey's going to be hungry as ever. And the party boy, apparently. And right. Leo could probably be stressing over tests. <laughs> yeah, I do think their their school participation and attendance is going to factor in heavily to some of the, the conflicts we see them engage in in a future outing here. Uh, but yeah, I want to thank Andre for your feedback. And also I want to let you know, I did get the other piece of feedback you sent in regards to the kind of experimental nature of last week's episode. So that's not one for reading on air per se, but I I did get that feedback and it's being duly considered. So thank you. And yeah, um, yeah this just kind of goes right to my point. Andre saw this, saw this with his kids or his son specifically, and and they had an absolute great time with it. And I do think he brings up some good points about like, yes, this is an origin story. So we see the beginnings of some of these strong personalities, but not all the way there. But the one thing I push back on is he says, Michelangelo is funny, but not party <laughs> dude yet. And I, and I just have to say, is he? Is he though? Like, think back. Who had the funniest lines? I don't think it was Michael Lynch. For me, anyway. <laughs> it was the weeb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is Donatello's movie and Splinter. I think we didn't really talk about Jackie Chan as Splinter, but he he definitely had yeah, some great. excellent moments. And um, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't. I feel like on my initial reaction, I did not give enough praise to. Ayo Adabiri as April. But yeah, she, her whole vomiting thing was great and definitely one of the laugh out loud moments for me in the theater. I forgot another laugh out loud moment is the way that they reacted to the new stepmom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As much as Splinter is like a stern father in this and some of his like <laughs> phobias are what hold them back so much he is not a serious character at all <laughs> which is a departure from the way splinter is usually depicted but uh, oh and he I, tried throwing a little party for everybody it's oh, like what do you want to do guys let me let me bring the world down here what can i do to make it more comfortable for him like oh he's like i've got menus you can have anything you want as long as it's pizza <laughs> <laughs> can i take your yeah. order <laughs> So cute. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? That yeah, man's a good movie. I'm looking forward to the next one and hopefully whatever quirks we had it, it gets fixed time. Yeah. Take your kids to see it. I think they'll have an absolute blast with it. Uh, anything you want to let the people know about otherwise? Nothing too much. There's just a lot of different things going on with this show. We have 
my adventures with Superman. We're covering Woo. like three episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. We've got Jujutsu Kaisen coverage going on. Me and Haley Hobbs are going to be doing a Rebels recap slash primer for the Ahsoka series. Yeah, basically, I we have like five sub shows within yeah. this show. That's a lot of content. <laughs> yeah. And if you appreciate all that content, we would appreciate a little support. So if you like what we're doing here, give us a review, share us, like and subscribe. All of those things are beneficial to the algorithm. As for myself, I'm here on Animation Deliberation. Also catch me over at Multiverse News and uh, check out Stranded Panda for a whole host of excellent podcasts. All right, so that'll do it for me. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. And as always, stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. Stay whelmed.